You think that 15-year-old kid with a gun in his hand who shot those two precious young people, I'm telling you, they're demonic force. 18 shootings in the month of January. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. There are demonic forces that are at work. This is bigger than anybody really realizes and understands. Welcome to Search the Scriptures, the Bible teaching ministry of Dr. Carl Brogy, Senior Pastor of Community Bible Church of Beaufort, South Carolina. We're in the book of Revelation, and we've been studying the horrible times that will befall the earth during a period known as the Tribulation. In a message entitled, When Hell Invades the Earth, Dr. Brogy yesterday continued looking at the second set of judgments, the trumpet judgments, which will come about at the second half of the Tribulation, a time markedly worse than the first half. As we pick up, Pastor Carl reads from Revelation chapter 8, verse 8, and addresses the second trumpet. The second angel sounded and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea. And a third of the sea became blood. And a third of the creatures which were in the sea had and had life died. And a third of the ships were destroyed. No doubt this is an asteroid of sorts and it brings about a mega tsunami. We talked a little bit about this last time. And the Bible says a third of all the ships will be affected. Now, currently, as of 2017, there are 87,483 registered ships. We're not talking about your little motorboat. We're talking about registered ocean-going ships. That excludes the 108 countries in the world that have some size or form of a navy. And the Bible is very clear that a third of all those ships are going to be totally crippled. So think about what's going on. Food production has been immensely diminished in that a third of all the greenery has been taken out. A third of all the ships that carry our foodstuffs and products up and down the coast and around the world are now decommissioned. They are sunk, I suppose. Not to mention the Bible is clear that a third of all the sea life is now dead. There's stinking, rotting carcasses everywhere. Fish, whales, dolphins, you name it. It's an awful thing. And so here's the world that has said no to God, and we're seeing this in our day. There are three kinds of wrath that are described in the Bible. Present wrath, tribulation wrath, future eschatological wrath. Paul says the wrath of God is being revealed. And how does God's wrath be revealed today? He says when a nation says, we don't want God, we don't want to honor Him, so God gives them over. And you see that downward spiral in Romans 1 that we are literally, visibly seeing, lived out in this day, and it seems like every month there's something new and something worse. But that doesn't compare to the tribulation wrath which is a warning of the coming eternal wrath that is to follow. And so people today worship Mother Nature because they refuse to give God thanks or praise, and so we've substituted evolution in some foolish Christian men who call themselves apologists who are doing a great disservice to the Christian faith, who say that you can believe in theistic evolution. Listen, you cannot believe in theistic evolution and be a biblicist, because it puts death before the fall, and the Bible is clear that death does not happen until after the fall. 
And so people are always looking for water on some planet, on some star, because in their mind, water is the womb of life. And God is going to judge the waters of this world, and it's going to be a miserable triple judgment that he brings. So there's the brewing storm, there's the bloody sea, but now there's the burning star. Look at verse 10. It says, the third angel sounded and a great star fell from heaven, burning like a lampost, a torch. And it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. Now, both Isaiah and Job says that every star God has named and numbered. Uh, there was some, some place on the internet some years ago, you could buy a star and have it named after you. I thought, you can't be serious that somebody would spend money to some organization to say, this is my star. Well, listen, God has already got them all named and numbered, all right? So don't waste your money. But God is going to let one of these stars leave the orbit that it's in, and he's going to bring it down to the earth. You say, if that happened, there would be no earth. No, this is a controlled miracle. Just like the miracle in Philippi was a controlled miracle when the earthquake came, just like it was a controlled storm that came upon uh, Jonah and the great fish, this is a controlled star that falls. It comes like a lampos. It's used of a flaming torch. Think of it like a sparkler. And God is sending these portions of this star across the planet so that a great star fell from heaven like a a torch. And the scripture says in verse 10 that it was burning like a torch and it fell on a third of the rivers in the springs of water. Now it's not just the ocean waters that are turned. Now it's the fresh waters, one third of them. Notice verse 11, the name of the star is called Wormwood. And a third of the waters became wormwood, and many men died from the waters because they were made bitter. This star called wormwood, absintha in Greek, there's a famous popular liquor that people drink around the world by the same name. I've never had it, don't plan to, but they say it tastes absolutely awful, but people like it because of the buzz it gives them. I'm always amazed how people will learn to drink something that tastes horrible so they can get buzzed. I hope you don't use alcohol. I hope you're not buying into the foolishness of now many evangelical leaders that 30 years ago was virtually obsolete, this new position that it's okay to be a sipping saint. I hope you're not. You're very foolish if you are, and you are diminishing God's power in your life. You are short-circuiting the work of the Spirit of God in you. I've never seen a Christian who drinks beer or wine be used mightily of God. They say, I'm being used not like you could be. Sometimes God uses you in spite of you, but not because of you. And this, of course, uh, is likened these waters to wormwood. This plant in Israel is a very bitter plant. But this effect called wormwood is not just bitter water, it's deadly water. And many died from the waters because they were made bitter. That brought us to the fourth trumpet. It's important I bring you into the context or it's not going to make sense. Are you still with me? All right, good. The fourth trumpet, the blackened sky, verse 12, the fourth angel sounded and a third of the sun and a third of the moon and a third of the stars were struck. So the third of them would be darkened. And the day would not shine for a third of it, and the night in the same way. So now the sun, moon, and stars are affected. A third would be darkened, affecting both the day and the night. 
And so we've seen once before God affecting the celestial bodies. The greatest expression will happen right before the second coming. But because men love the darkness rather than the light, they'll have opportunity to play in the darkness like never before. The days will be shortened. Again, that will affect the temperatures on the world. That will affect the growing season. Amos chapter 8 predicted this. God's speaking of this coming day that we call the tribulation. And the prophet Amos, he says, it will come about in that day, declares the Lord God, that I will make the sun go down at noon and make the earth dark in broad daylight. I'll tell you what, the worship of the stars and the planet and all the people who follow their horoscopes, it's going to collapse at this point. God is going to deal with men right where it hits them the hardest. Then I looked, verse 13, and I heard an eagle flying in mid-heaven saying with a loud voice, woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth because of the remaining blast of the trumpet of the three angels who are about to sound. It's as if God in his mercy informs mankind there are three more severe judgments, so get ready, get right with God. Some say this cannot be an eagle because he is speaking. He doesn't say this is like an eagle. He said, I heard an eagle flying. Listen, if God can make a parrot talk, if God can make a donkey speak, he can make an eagle shout. Those are the first words in the Bible. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And if you can believe those words, you can believe anything that follows. God is going to send a warning because he does not take delight in the destruction of men. And this is aimed 12 times over, specifically and primarily on those who dwell on the earth, the earth dwellers. Peoples whose perspective is this life only. Whoa, whoa, whoa. These are just the opposite of born-again Christians. Their focus is not on a citizenship in heaven, but a citizenship here on earth. Now, that brings us into these three woe trumpets. There on your note-taking outline, we're going to begin with the first one today as we consider the horrible personality that is introduced. The horrible personality that is introduced. Now, the description that follows is of a fearful demon who releases a host of demons by the divine permission of God Almighty. And so we're introduced here in verse 1 to this horrible personality here termed a star who gives leadership to a force of evil like the world has never seen. And two truths are revealed about this star. First, this star is an angel. This star is an angel. Again in verse 1, Then the fifth angel sounded, and I saw a star from heaven, which had fallen to the earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. Now we've been witnessing how the judgments have been intensifying in horror. And now as the seven judgments come, we're in full labor. We're in the second half of the tribulation period. And so what takes place here in chapter 9 is like nothing the world has ever seen before. Now, if you took my Wednesday night course on angels, you will remember there are a number of terms that are used to describe angels in the Bible. Here's a list of some of the more popular usages. They're called uh, angels. They're called B'nai Elohim, sons of God. They're called holy ones. They're called hosts. They're called ministers. They serve us. They're called chariots. They move with great speed. They're called 
watchers and that they are uh, out on duty for the living God. They're called sons of the mighty and they are called, like in the book of Job, and as here as stars. The word star in both Hebrew and Greek can be used of a literal star or it can be used of an angelic star. I saw a star from heaven. What kind of star is this? It's an angelic star. How do you know? Look at the pronoun at the end of the verse. And the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. He's referring to an angelic person. Not to mention this could not be a star because a key is given to him that we're going to see in a moment will unlock a place known as the abyss. Hey, look, we use the word that way even in English. We speak of a sports star or of a movie star. Now, remember, Job referred to the angels of God who sung with joy. The morning stars sung with joy at the day of the creation. He calls angels stars. So there are many references to this. And I, the reason I take the time for this is because we just saw a real literal star in 8.10. Remember, the chapter and verse divisions are artificial. But now we're dealing with an angelic person, a star, and they're used interchangeably. But not only is this an angel... This specifically is a fallen angel. Now, please notice specifically what kind of angel he is. He is fallen. He is what we might call a demon. Now, let me pause for a moment because some English translations do not bring out the precision of the Greek New Testament here. If you're using the old King James, it says, I saw a star fall from heaven, like John was there witnessing the star fall from heaven. But the New King James, using the same manuscripts as all the other English translations, specifically render it, I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth. It's in a perfect tense. If you remember your English, remember it's already happened. It's in the past. It had fallen sometime in the past. It was already upon the earth. But some uh, confuse this, I think, quickly without carefully looking at the context of Revelation. And they think, well, this must be Satan because Jesus said, I saw Satan fall like a star from heaven. Well, we're going to see in the 12th chapter, a third of all the angels fell when Satan fell. Not to mention in every single instance in Scripture, when Satan is in view, he is specifically identified. And that is emphasized and underscored, especially as we will walk through the revelation. It's like you can't miss it. He's talking about Satan. And if God wanted us to recognize this was Satan, he'd let us know. But this is not Satan. This is an angel by an entirely different name. So that's the horrible personality that is introduced. It's a star who is both an angel and he is a fallen angel. Secondly, let's think for a moment about the horrible place that is opened. The horrible place that is opened. Two truths are revealed to us about this place called the bottomless pit or the abyss. First, the abyss is a deep place. It's a deep place. Again here in verse 1, And I saw a star from heaven which had fallen to the earth, and the key of the bottomless pit was given to him. So this fallen angel is given a key to the bottomless pit that unlocks a door that separates some dark, evil, heinous world from the one that we are living in. And we're given a glimpse into the hidden, invisible, supernatural, fallen realm that this key will open. And it's called the abyss. Now, it's important because in the Greek text, it says the key of the pit of the abyss. The key of the pit of the abyss. 
And the reason I'm going to bring this out is because in some translations you may be using, all the way through the passage in verse 1, 2, and 11, it just translates it bottomless pit. In other translations, it translates it, in all three instances, abyss. The New American Standard translates it in verses 1 and 2 as bottomless pit, and then in verse 11 is abyss. And the reason I bring it out, and really all those translations are fine, because we're referring to the same place. But the NASB is really precise here. Bottomless pit together. Abusus pit, all right? The Greek word abusus, it means bottomless. And when they're brought together side by side, then the NAS writes bottomless pit. When you come to verse 11, the word pit's not in the verse, though a lot of English translations include it. It's just the word abusis, abyss. And that's helpful. I'll tell you why it's helpful. Because the word bottomless pit or abyss that is describing this place that has a, a proper name. It's a proper name in the first century. Jewish people knew about the abyss. Jesus and the gospel speak about the abyss. Now, let's stop for just a moment and think about our angelology. Remember, all the angels originally that God created were holy. They fell. Two-thirds of the angels are now holy. One-third of the angels are now fallen. Let's just deal with the fallen angels. The fallen angels can be divided into three categories. There are some fallen angels who um, have freedom this morning to wage war. So Paul the Apostle warns us against this, that we do not wage war simply against people, flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities. You think that 15-year-old kid with a gun in his hand who shot those two precious young people? I'm telling you, there's demonic force. 18 shootings in the month of January. It's just, it's, it's unbelievable. There are demonic forces that are at work. This is bigger than anybody really realizes and understands. And so there are angels, fallen angels, who have the ability to wage war. And we saw that illustrated, what Paul taught in Ephesians 6 in Daniel 10, where we saw these various demons who are over various countries and, and territories and so forth. There's a second category of these fallen angels, not only those who are free to wreak havoc, but there's a second category who are in eternal chains. And so if you were with me in my series on Genesis years ago, we saw that the sons of God, the B'nai Elohim, one of the titles for angels, cohabitated with the daughters of men. Angels can take on human bodies. That's why when Lot's door is being broken down, the men of Sodom want to have a physical relationship with the angels because they had come in human bodies. Whenever they appear in Scripture, they appear in male bodies. In either case, they left their proper esteem, and of course, the New Testament compares that to homosexuality, that someone abandons the natural for the unnatural. Same comparison Peter and Jude both make. But because they did something that was so heinous, where they cohabitated with the daughters of men, Jude 6, 2 Peter 2 4 says that they are in eternal bonds of darkness. They are chained up in a place, the English text says hell, the Greek text says Tartarus. They are in a place of eternal bonds. They can never wreak havoc again. God's locked them up and thrown away the key. And of course, that place will actually ultimately become like Hades, a part of the lake of fire. There's a third category. So there's those who are free. There are those who are in eternal bonds, but there are some that are temporarily restrained. 
And there in the place that we're looking at this morning, it's called the abyss. Now remember the temptation of Christ, Matthew 4. What's the other four? Luke 4. Come on now. Matthew 4, Luke 4. Temptation of Christ. Another big expression of evil is when uh, Jesus goes through a graveyard one day, Mark, uh, Matthew 8, Luke 8, all right? Easy to remember in Mark 5, all right? So it's found in the synoptics, that miracle. And he finds these two men, and they're incapacitated by uh, a group of demons known as legion. In fact, there's 2,000 plus that are ultimately cast into a herd of swine. And of course, these are evil demons. I mean, they have done a job on this man. He beats himself. He cuts himself. He, he uh, runs around naked. Uh, they, they try to restrain him with chains and men gang up on him and he eventually breaks them. I mean, can you imagine visiting your loved one in a graveyard and meeting this guy? And of course, Jesus comes and confronts him. And the scripture says, they, these demons, were imploring him not to command them to go into the abyss. That's the place we're talking about, this place of incarceration. And the demons implored him to permit them to enter the swine, and he gave them permission. Now, as bad as these demons were, Jesus chooses in his sovereignty that they had not crossed the line where they would go into the abyss where they would be temporarily restricted. And so they are given freedom, and you see their destructive nature as they take this herd of swine, and they run it right down into the Sea of Galilee. We will be, God willing, there on that very spot in just a few months. There's only one place in all of the Sea of Galilee where it could have taken place. Now, so these are the various levels of freedom. Total freedom to wage war under the sovereignty of God. No freedom in a place called Tartarus because they abandoned their proper estate. And then those demons who are so heinous and wicked, God has temporarily put them in the abyss. But that abyss is going to open up someday. And the worst of the worst of the worst, look, at just like all humans are not, all are depraved, but don't all show the same expressions of depravity. Even so, angels are real people too. They're not human persons, they're angelic persons, but they have all of the characteristics of personhood, intellect, emotion, will. There are various expressions of depravity even in this realm. And ultimately, all of them, the whole ball of wax, will end up in the lake of fire. Listen, contrary to popular mythology and a lot of people's theology, Satan is not in hell today. In fact, there are no people in hell today. In fact, Satan has never, ever, ever been in hell, ever. He has total freedom to wage war. And people today who are lost are not in hell, they're in Hades. And death and Hades are thrown ultimately the final resting place into the lake of fire. So Satan's not in hell, he has freedom, and there are no demons in hell, but someday all of the demons along with Satan will be cast into the lake of fire. In fact, Satan is going to spend a little time in the abyss during the thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. He's going to be locked up in the abyss, and then he'll be released for a short time. All right, so this is a deep place. The word abyss literally means abusa, a bottomless, uh, something is just, just open. It's a bottomless pit. Secondly, not only is it a deep place, it's a dark place. It's a dark place. Look now, if you will, at verse 2. He opened the bottomless pit and smoke went up out of the pit. 
Wow. Like the smoke of a great furnace, and the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Now, when I say the abyss is a dark place, I mean both physically and spiritually. When the pit is open, smoke emerges, a a dark smoke like a, a great furnace that has been opened up. And God gives warnings, I think, in the Bible not to scare us, but to warn us and to protect us so that we would get right with Him. And by God allowing smoke to come up out of the abyss and for you to be able to visibly read of what is going to happen in the future, He's given you an ultimate picture of the eternal wrath and the lake of fire. Jesus describing hell, the final resting place, it says, and He will throw them into a furnace of fire. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We'll study that when we come to the 20th chapter. So the smoke is thick, it's dark, such that, notice, the sun and the air were darkened by the smoke of the pit. Now that's imagery that ought to get people to stop and think before they joke about hell. The smoke polluted the air so much that it darkened the sun, which had already been darkened by the sixth seal, but again, that was temporary. And, uh, and it had been darkened with the blowing of the fourth trumpet. But this smoke comes out, and it literally is terrorizing. And what is so frightening is not just the smoke, but what comes out of the smoke. What's described here as locusts. Now, the abyss is being opened up. Imagine if our government this afternoon said, we're going to release every prisoner in America. They're all going to be free. Not a pleasant place to live. Well, I'm telling you, suddenly, under the hand of a sovereign God, the abyss is going to be open, and the worst of the worst demons who have not lost all of their freedom will be free, and they will reign chaos and pain and suffering 10,000 times 10,000 worse if every prisoner in America were let out. Now, there's no reason these demons... Um, have had their freedom to wage war in the heavenlies taken away such that they are in the abyss. <coughs> Follow this. Just as there are again degrees of depravity that man can show itself, so there are demons that have various expressions of evil. And so they are in the abyss for this region. And so these who are called legion, they're afraid that before the time, the final time in the lake of fire, Jesus is going to send them to the abyss, and then they're going to lose their opportunity to operate. But as bad as what they've done, and I read that account in in Mark 5, Matthew 8, Luke 8, and I think, man, these These creatures were evil, what they did to these two men and how they function in these two men and and what their commitment was to these two men. And yet they weren't worthy of the abyss. Look out. You think about that. You think about these dirty, diabolical demons and how much Satan and all of his minions hate you the next time he tempts you. So this place is opened. And that brings us finally to this horrible plague that is released. And we'll look at this horrible plague next Monday when we conclude our message, When Hell Invades the Earth. If you'd like to listen again to today's message or any of the studies in our series on the Revelation, use the Search the Scriptures app for smartphones and tablets or visit us online at searchthescriptures.org. You can also order a CD or DVD by calling 877-787-7478 and requesting program REV23. 
And when you contact us, why not ask about how you can help keep this Bible teaching program on this and other radio stations. Our phone number again is 877-787-7478 or simply click the Give button at our website, searchthescriptures.org or on our Search the Scriptures app. Tomorrow, Dr. Brogy's wife, Audrey, is in this time slot with her program for women, Mothering from the Heart. And when we return Monday, the conclusion of When Hell Invades the Earth. Join us then as we search the Scriptures. <music>